I've been thinking about how do we get our frame of mind right? We're, we're studying through the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, each section carries its own weight. And uh, this one is a, this is a weighty passage again. And I thought, what, how do we get our minds right? How do, how do I help us get ourselves, our hearts prepared to hear the message? What's the message of the text? And so go ahead and start playing this song. I've got a song I'm gonna play for you and I want you to stick with it. Some of you will, it will be familiar. We can start running that. Um, and uh, uh, we're not gonna get up and dance. Um, I asked in the first service if anyone knew who this band was, who this group was, 1972. And I want you to get all the way to the chorus on this one, okay? You say you even think about time? Well, before you do anything rash, dig this. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. There's no exception to the rule. See, now some of you are kind of into it and others of you are going, I have no idea what that is. I don't, you know, the younger people are like, you know, play some hip hop, something else that we can get into. But anybody know who that band was? Oh, put the phone away. Put the phone away, Dorothy. That's the only reason she knew that. The main ingredient, 1972, everybody plays a fool sometime. There's no exception to the rule. Uh, it may be factual, it may be cruel, but the fact is, everybody plays a fool. Now, that may stay with you through the week and it wouldn't be a bad thing if it did. Solomon is actually going to take us and cause us to face the reality of that statement. Everybody plays a fool. Now, of course, in the song, it is speaking of the foolishness of love. Okay. Everybody plays a fool in love. You know, you fall in love with someone, they don't love you and you feel like a fool. Right. And now, uh, you know, I would say to, to us, the reality that is true and it's real, it's devastating. But, you know, those of us who are older, you know, married along in years, you know, most of us would look back and we would say, thank you, God, <laughs> that I did not marry. I didn't go through with that one, you know. Um, but what Solomon's going to talk about, they're over here going, uh-huh, uh-huh, for sure. Um, what Solomon's talking about is foolishness in life. I mean, foolishness in love can, can, can hurt you people, certainly, and it's real. But I'll tell you, foolishness in life is a whole nother beast altogether. Because foolishness in life, a foolish choice, uh, can wreak devastation that goes on for years, that spreads to others. Honestly, in some cases, it can go on for a lifetime. So everybody plays a fool. If you get that, you're getting really close to the center of the message. Solomon's gonna talk this morning and the thrust of the message, this is kind of the emotional weight behind it. It's a warning. See, so, so, you know, some passages are encouragement, some passages are exhortation. This is warning, warning. 
about foolishness. I've got two headings that the passage fits under. The, for, for outline thinkers, it's uh, dead flies make a stink. There's the first section, dead flies make a stink. And the second section is leaders' mistakes make a mess. Dead flies make a stink, that's one through four. And I'm gonna grab the last two and say, leaders' mistakes make a mess. Now, we gotta reach back to last week. Rob took us through the last uh, several passages, verses of chapter nine. And you remember he took out the, 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 uh, the game of life and, uh, and used the game of life to remind us, you know, in the game of life, it's about possessions, power, prestige, what you gain. And, and, and he said, you know, it's a game. And yet, all of us sometimes get caught up in pursuing the good life of the game and we think that's what life is about, right? And, and, and Rob said, no, that's not what it is about at all, according to Solomon. And Solomon says, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna grab one thing in life, does anybody remember what Rob said you grab? If you're gonna live life under the sun, don't, don't go for wealth, fame, go for this one thing. What was the one thing we grabbed? Anybody? Wisdom, wisdom instruction, grab wisdom. Now, Solomon, at the back end of chapter nine, he actually introduces what he's gonna talk about in chapter 10. In the, in the original manuscripts of the, the Hebrew Bible, there were not chapter breaks, there were not verse numbers, you know, it, was just, it just kept going. And so they wouldn't go, let's go to chapter 10 now, they'd just go, well, notice what he says in 18, and that goes straight into chapter 10, verse one. And so uh, I, I want us to start there. Look at, look at chapter 9, verse 18. He's, well, actually, go to 16. He said, he said wisdom's better three times. He says, wisdom's better than strength, verse 16. He, verse 17, wisdom's better than shouting, the shouting of a ruler. In other words, a charismatic ruler. Wisdom's better. And then in 18, he says, wisdom's better than weapons of war. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. It's better, you guys. It's better than weapons of war. But notice that last phrase, but... Okay, study our Bibles, we note contrast. But one sinner destroys much good. Now, everybody look up here at me because this is a thread, a principle that we're gonna camp on. There's the one that destroys the much. See, the con there's the little, the one that destroys the much. Now, we'll see how he unpacks that in 10, one through seven, then Rob will pick the back part of that up. Uh, the, the back part uh, next week as we continue through the study. So start with dead flies. Dead flies make a stink. This is a kind of funny way to say it, isn't it? Verse one, dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. You know, for, for them, this would have been a, you know, a euphemism that everybody gets, and it's actually not hard for us to get. He's talking about little tiny flies. And when they made perfume, and think about perfume in that day of the arid heat, sweat, smells, et cetera, it's a luxury to have this perfume. Well, they'd make this perfume, and by the way, they didn't, they didn't make it in some sterile factory. They made it, you know, in the room, whatever. And it could be that some flies get in the ointment. By the way, where does that come from? There's flies in the ointment, it comes from your Bible, but there's flies get in the ointment and these flies, they're dead, they decompose. And so now this, this perfume smells so sweet. <coughs> it stinks. You see the, 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 the flies, the tiny, get, remember one, the much, the tiny 
has ruined the whole batch of perfume. There's a parallelism in Hebrew poetry in particular and in, in the writing. And so what, this sounds kind of like an ACT test, which one is this? But it, I'd say it this way. Dead flies are to perfume what foolishness is to wisdom and honor. <laughs> you see, dead flies are to perfume what foolishness is to wisdom and honor, i.e. foolishness will destroy wise choices, wisdom, and honor. Said another way, when it comes to foolishness, a tiny bit goes a long way. I want to remind us, Solomon is the wisest man that, you know, has walked the planet other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so the wisest man who ever lived, he had a lot to say about foolishness and wisdom. In fact, he had so much to say about it, he wrote another book that's just loaded with statements about foolishness and wisdom. What book is that in our Bible? Say it. Proverbs, yes, so, so just think, he's, he said all he could say, you know, 30 cha 31 chapters in Proverbs. And yet when he's writing this book, Ecclesiastes, and he's trying to help us understand how to live our lives on the planet, under the sun, in such a way that it's not just a vapor and gone. He focuses on one characteristic, at least in this part of the text, of foolishness, this one trait about foolishness. And, and this is the part I go, this is, he's already reinforced it when he said the one destroys the much, the tiny flies destroy the whole thing. Think about it. What he's saying is a tiny bit of foolishness will wreak havoc in your life. You think about, you know, we know that foolish choices, and let's just call them stupid. Let's just use that word because it kind of hits us better. You know, when we do stupid things, nothing good happens, right? Nothing good comes of it. We do stupid things. And yet, what do we do? What, what do we keep doing? What do I keep doing? I keep making what kind of choices? I do. I still do stupid things. <laughs> you go, <laughs> go ahead. Why do you keep... And in part, can it be, Solomon says, part of it is in our human nature, we think it's just so little. It's just so little. It's not that big a deal. And, and, and many times we fall into that trap. When it comes to foolishness, a tiny bit goes a long way. I've given you a song, I think, that captures the text. I want to I want to talk about something else that if you, if you were, I think this may, may stick with you. It sure has me. Um, foolishness is like Miss Minnie's special chocolate pie in the help. And those of you who hadn't seen the movie, you know, spoiler alert, at least on the scene, but... So, so uh, uh, Miss Hilly fires Miss Minnie. And Miss Minnie is literally known for her chocolate custard pie. I mean, she's just, it's just famous in Jackson, Mississippi in the movie. And so Hilly fires her and basically says, you're never gonna get a job in this town again. And so 
Miss Minnie decides to make uh, Hilly a special chocolate pie. And she brings the pie to Hilly and Hilly, of course, thinks that she's kind of coming back in remorse, I'm sorry, here's one of my pies. And you know, the scene is pretty hilarious in which she just devours two pieces. I mean, it's just wiping her mouth. She's eating two pieces of the pie while she's standing there. And it's only then that, that Minnie tells her what she's just eaten. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm trying to tell the illustration. I'm not even sure how to say it in front of you in the church. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just say it. You know, he, she, had, she had used her feces. Like she pooped. And she used it in the pie. And Hilly just ate two pieces. Now, if, no, if us knowing that, if I, if I just took a tiny piece of Miss Minnie's special pie on my finger and I said, look, it's just, just taste it. Would you? Seriously. No. See, 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 because it's not the amount of crap that's in the pie. Um, it was, I mean, if it was just a pinch, no pun intended, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have even gone there, but I, I would thought I should have erased that from the video. But if it's just that little bit, you go, no, it's not the amount it's the fact of what it is. But with foolishness, we can have a tendency to go, well, I'll just do a little, right? It's not that big a deal. When it comes to foolishness, a tiny bit, a tiny bite, goes a long way. Um, how many of us have regretted what we did? Okay, you're moving along in life and someone says something to you and, when, and then you do this and then you regret it. How many of us have gone along in life and heard these words? You know, it's just not that big a deal. <laughs> and, then we, and then we go, oh, you regret it. Or... Everybody's doing this, and then we, and then we regret it. Or, um, you know, it, it's, it's just not going to make that much difference. And then we do, and we regret it. Or, how about this one? Look, honestly, no one's ever going to know. I want you to look at what Solomon says about that last one. Look at two, uh, two and four, two, two to three. Solomon continues and says, a wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense, his heart literally is lacking and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. That's not that the fool walks along the road and says, I'm a fool, I'm a fool. No, 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 no. See, what he's saying is in that day, to walk along the road is just like me saying to you in your everyday life. See, because they walked everywhere. So, so he's just saying, you know, I'm just gonna tell you the fool, when he goes through his life, he's gonna tell everyone 
he's a fool. It will be evident to everyone because he yells it out, no. How will it be evident to everyone? By the choices he makes and the consequences of that choice. You see, foolish decisions, they're so small, uh, we make them in such a, you can make them in private, foolish decisions, but they will never remain private. You can keep it hidden for a time, but you will not keep it hidden for a lifetime. That's what Solomon says. And I wanna get extremely practical here, and I may step on a few toes a little bit, but I step gently to have you consider this. If you are unmarried, uh, a young adult, uh, in high, whatever, if you're unmarried, a young single person, um, and you know your body hits that stage in which God-given desires for sexual intimacy and intercourse are there, and it's, it's how you're made and wired, and yet we know the scripture reminds us God has given us this amazing gift of sex to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage between a man and a woman, and so you're, you've, got the, you've got the juices flowing, it's real, and, and yet you've gotta wait. I, I wanna say to you, I just wanna warn you, Solomon's saying don't, don't make the foolish choice. And I say that with such empathy as a dad with kids and as a man who was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29 when I got married, 30 when I got, you know what I'm saying? So I, I say that with empathy, but I say it, man, with passion for you. I heard someone say this week and I, I thought it was appropriate. He said, you know, it's not about, it's not about you know, being a virgin your whole life. It, it, for, for most of you that are unmarried, it's about, it's about staying a virgin for those three minutes. Just get through those three minutes. Live, to, live another day and then get through it again. Don't go there, you see. Just that, it's just that moment, you see, because in that moment, you see, in that moment, you can make a choice that takes that off and it just, it, it, it's, it's with you the rest of your life, so... What an appropriate warning. How about for those who are married? Unless we think we walk in here as perfect people, we come in here as fallen, broken people. And so I'll say to those who are married, are, is, there, is there any part of you that's contemplating unfaithfulness to your spouse? Emotional or physical? Are you already there? You're gonna choose that moment and destroy a lifetime of wisdom and honor? Don't do it. Don't do it. That, that moment, it's not worth it for what it will cost you and cost others. How about, let me go beyond this so it gets all of us at some level we can say we're here. I, I don't doubt that many of us in the room, we have decisions pending, whether a business decision, a relational decision, just the decisions in life. And you've got one that, that the spirit can bring to your mind. I don't know what it may be, but, but you got a decision and you can choose it. You can make the decision. You can make a right decision morally. It's probably, it could be a moral decision. You can do it, you can make it right or you can make it wrong. And no one will know, you know what I'm saying? We all have these decisions and I'm just saying to you, whatever the spirit brings to your own mind, even as I'm speaking, the spirit's also saying, choose right not left, as we'll see in a moment. Don't allow a momentary foolish choice to wreak havoc for a lifetime. 
Look at verse two, he says, a wise, man, wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. The right in scripture is the place of power and honor and righteousness and good. Just one quick verse to think about passage. Where is Jesus seated in heaven at the throne of God? To which side is he seated? What, what hand of God? At the right hand, you see, this is the right hand. This is true all the way through the Bible. It's not the left is the place. It's, the, it's where the goats go. It's the, it's, the, it's the opposite of right is left, unrighteousness, futility. It says the heart of the wise man, the heart of the fool. I cannot wait for this fall later. We're gonna talk about the heart in a big way because it, it really matters. And I've said this before, we'll say it again. And if you're here for the next 10, 15 years, you're gonna hear us talk about it all the time. The heart in the Bible is the control center of life. It's not the organ. Sometimes it is, but we know the context. In this context, he's not saying the thing that's beating in your chest led you to do this. No, the metaphoric picture of the heart. The heart is not just the place you feel where we, you know, this is our culture kind of says, you know, there's the head and the heart. You know, I know up here and I feel down here. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the heart is where you think, the heart is where you feel, the heart is where your deepest desires are brewing, the heart is where you choose. Wait, that's all the heart? Yes, the heart. And so their heart of the righteous man moves him to the right, the heart of the foolish to the left. We'll unpack that a lot more later. Verse four says, if the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. He just gives us a little example here of, of wisdom at work against, uh, against foolishness. If you are in the king's court and it's not like uh, you're a, uh, you have to have an official title, but you have some, some, some role in the, in, the, in the king's court and, and you're a counselor maybe and the, the ruler makes a left decision, okay? The context tells us this ruler makes a decision and he comes at you and he's unloading on you. He says, if you're wise, you will not turn around and run. And he says, you know, you're also not gonna stand there and go toe to toe with him and, and, and rage back. He says, uh, don't give up your position, but be there and stand there with composure. What's composure? It's to stand there with, uh, with a non-anxious heart. It's to stand there uh, with the confidence that you, you've chosen right and you stand in wisdom. This is so, so practical. Solomon writes in Proverbs 15:1. he said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. He says in 25:15 Proverbs, by forbearance, by length of anger, by, by allowing your anger to go longer, don't, don't feel your anger and, and pop off, you know, have that patience of anger. By, by forbearance, a ruler who's angry at you may be persuaded and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Very simply, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a person win an argument with a police officer by raising their voice? It's not gonna happen. And that's what Solomon is saying here. I wanna to go to the second part of the text. Solomon moves from the dead flies make a stink to a leader. This is very easy to understand. He says, a leader 
A leader's mistake will make a mess. Look at five through seven. He's looking at the world, so he's observing life, and he notes this. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. A ruler makes a mistake. The real, it could be inadvertent. It could, you know, it, he, he, he says something wrong. He says something foolish. He makes a foolish edict. I've seen this. He makes an error. Then he notes two things that happen that he sees. Folly is set in many exalted places while rich men sit in humble places. I've seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. Now, what, what does he mean by it? What, what's he describing? Let me tell you what he's describing. Go over in your Bibles to verses 16 and 17 of chapter 10. Here's what he's describing. He says, woe to you, O land, O people, O society. This is a too bad society whose king is a lad and whose princes feast in the morning. It's, it's not good for you, land, if your king is immature and those who rule with you get drunk in the morning. It's bad news for you. 17, blessed are you, land, good for you, society, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Now go back to five and seven. He says, you know, this ruler makes an error, makes a mistake, and I looked around, and next thing I know, those who, who should be in rulership in this day, this is not a statement of value and this is a statement of, of, of government and society and how it functioned in that culture. Those who should be ruling of nobility, they're down here, it, nobody's. And the ones who should be serving, they're, they're all of a sudden ruling. This is not right. Some, this thing got flipped upside down. He says there in verse six, follies in exalted places, while those who should be in the exalted places are, are humble. Do you see that? So when a, when a ruler, I'm gonna put it this way. When a leader makes a mistake, it turns society upside down. When a leader chooses foolishness, chooses the foolishness, the effect is that the whole society gets whacked out. It's the power of foolishness. And now we're back to the one principle. Remember I told you the principle at the beginning? There was the one, there's one fool who ruins all the good. There's a tiny a little gnat-like foolishness. And now the whole perfume's gone. Oh, this one ruler makes one decision and now society is a total mess. That's the, the principle you see that's flowing throughout the passage. When it comes to foolishness, a tiny bit goes a long way. And by the way, while he's speaking of a government ruler, I, I framed it as leader, which I think is appropriate. Now it is, he's talking about government leader here, but in principle, it's a leader. And I wanna go one level down from that. If, if your life influences anyone else's life, what are you at some level? A leader. So you see, this is why this applies to all of us. All right, close your Bible. I want you to close your Bible, because that's the text. Our challenge is not understanding this particular text. It's always, not always, but, but generally it's to, to uh, apply it. And so I'm gonna walk you through an application. And if you're a guest, you're about to get a taste of one of our core convictions at fellowship. And that is this, we 
do what we do just now. We go through the Bible and we study it, we expose it, we explain it, and we do it not so that we will know what the Bible says, but so that the living word will change us, will transform us more and more into the image of Christ. It's not about information. I mean, honestly, if I sent you out right now, you could walk out and go, you know, that, that was pretty good. I learned that foolishness seems small, but man, it can have a big impact. Let's go eat and go, you know. Um, I could also do this. I could also say, uh, okay, this is the message that foolishness, a small, we think it's small, but it'll make massive, massive, create massive devastation in your life when you choose it. And so um, let's all stand up and I'll dismiss you and you know, go out there and reject foolishness, y'all. Don't do it. Choose what's right. Everybody put a hand in. One, two, three, yes, go, you know. And uh, you may do that, and I'll tell you this, you may walk out of here and you, you, may, you may will it for a while, and, and many do, and you would look incredibly good. You would look incredibly, you know, you know like a good person, and you would be incredibly religious. But Christianity is not religion. See, religion is what we do. That's religion. We, we're gonna, I'm gonna do this so I can be with God. Christianity, the Bible, the scripture tell us, tells us it's all about what God has done that we receive. And so I'm not gonna send you out. And you'll hear Rob and I do this as we teach. We're not gonna send you out, you know, kind of going, all right, now give 10% because the Bible said so. Or, you know, now love your wives, guys, get over it, you know, and love your wives. Now go to, you know, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna say, you know what? Um, this is true, you know, foolishness will ruin you. Don't do it. I totally get that. But listen, all of our application of scripture must go through the cross, when, when we live the Bible, which we, which we do, we, we must go through the cross. Lord, what do you mean go through the cross? Well, I'm gonna show you. We're, we're gonna do it today. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He meant it when he said it. We believe it that he said it. And therefore, I'm telling you, Apart from Jesus, you cannot, you will not reject foolishness. You won't, you can't. So the first thing we do as a community of faith, and this is how we, this is how we roll, this is how we believe God calls us to grow, is we acknowledge, okay? We, we come to these principles and these truths and we just look at them and we go, you know what? I cannot do it. It's the first thing we do. We recognize I, I can't do it on my own. And so in the quietness of this morning, I'm gonna walk you through this. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads right now. We're gonna go into a season, a moment of prayer. And I just want you to go before the throne of grace and, and just talk to God. That's what prayer is. And you individually can say to God, you know, God, I've, this message I hear now about foolishness, I know I've chosen foolishness in the past, I, but Lord, I just wanna admit, I wanna admit and, and say and confess to you, say, I can't 
avoid foolishness on my own. I, I will choose foolishness every time. So have that conversation with God now. Admit that. We, we're powerless over foolishness. I'm gonna give you the time to pray. remaining in that posture of prayer, I want to invite you now to go to the cross, you see. So, so bring yourself to the cross, your whole heart, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your choices, you bring them to the cross. And here at the cross, we recognize that Jesus died for all of our foolish choices, past, present, and future, we, we, we say to God, God, Jesus died for my foolishness. He, he paid the penalty for every time I made a choice that basically was saying, I don't trust you, God. I don't think you have my best in mind, Lord. I'm gonna do my own thing. God, you're not God. I'm gonna go my way. Every time we made choices that reflect that, Jesus paid the penalty by dying on the cross for our sins. And if you've put your faith in Christ, you see, you come to this cross and you say, thank you, God, that you've forgiven me for, for, for all my foolishness in Jesus. If you've never put your trust in Christ, then you can do that now. You can say, God, I, I now see that Jesus paid the penalty for all my foolishness. He suffered the separation that my foolishness earned. And through belief, in him, my sins are forgiven and I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. So continue your prayer at the cross and thank God if you've trusted Christ, your foolishness has been wiped away. Jesus has paid the penalty. And so remaining in this posture of prayer, we have begun by admitting our powerlessness, our inability to live the Christian life, to, to, our inability to obey apart from Jesus. And we've come to the cross, you see, and we remember the gospel's true for me right now. I am forgiven in Christ Jesus. I am indwelt by his spirit. I am clothed in his righteousness. So, from this cross, we make a choice. You see, we do have a part in this. We, we do, our choices matter, but now we make a choice not out of our will that says, I am not gonna choose foolishness, but it's a, cho it's a choice that says, oh God, in the power of your spirit, enable me to reject foolishness and choose wisdom in those moments. I can't, but you 
can and I choose to trust you. I'm gonna give you a few minutes now just, just to have that conversation about your choice with God. Okay, and now we're, we're, we're not done. Uh, we have another two steps I wanna walk us through. Here's the first one, okay? Everybody, everybody look up at me right now. Everybody look at me. I wanna remind you, can we come to this place having acknowledged our inability to live the Christian life apart from the Spirit, but having acknowledged Jesus did <laughs> and he lives in us by his Spirit and he, and he enables and empowers us. The Bible is always reminding us we're never alone. Not just that Jesus will never leave us alone. The Bible always tells us you are not alone on this journey, that, that we're together, that I actually make the journey with others. As we like to say, we're, we're better together. We are, we're made to be together. So this is gonna stretch us again, but you know what? We also believe Faith can be uncomfortably real and must be, and this is gonna move us to a little uncomfortable, un uncomfortably real stuff. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand, okay? Don't panic yet. And, uh, and here's what we do. Having gone through that process, I'm gonna invite you to, to, to turn to someone near you. Now, again, this could be turn to your family. Some of you are sitting as families. Talk about it as a family. Talk about it as a couple. Talk about it with a friend. Now, some of you are sitting here by yourself. And so you're gonna need to find someone that you can have this conversation with. And here's the conversation. This is, this is low fruit, but it's, it is pregnant with meaning and significance for us. I just want you to talk amongst yourselves, talk to family, friends, whoever's around you and, and answer this question. Tell each other a time in your life when there was a little moment and you chose wisdom and, and you saw the fruit of that or either one of these, either one. There was a moment and you chose foolishness. You don't have to go into details, you chose foolishness. And you've seen that affecting your life. See that, it's just talking about, this is that principle at work in our lives. I am gonna give, there's plenty of time. I'm gonna give you time. Do not sneak out because some of you are going, this is my chance to go, to leave, right? Now I'm gonna go out because I need to go to the restroom, but there should be no other men in there with me. Um, but you guys turn and you talk to one another about that because we have something else we do at the very end that's very important in terms of our own application. So turn and you can have a conversation at church today with your family around that. A choice you made, you can remain standing, you can sit, whatever you need to do to spread out and talk.
let's, uh, let's all stand together. This is, this is as important as everything we've done. You see, when we come to the scripture, we come to it aware that there's truth here. And yes, we obey, but I hope what you feel and sense as we move through this and we apply the scripture, you know, we apply from the cross, not to get to the cross. See, religion says, I, I, I gotta obey this so that I can be a Christian. No, no, no. We go, Jesus obeyed everything perfectly for us. I said, everybody plays the fool sometime, no exception to the rule. I, it's not totally true, is it? There's one man who never played the fool. Never played the fool. Never played the fool, Jesus. And only those who've never played the fool can be in a relationship with God. So we have a problem if we try and go to God apart from Jesus. So we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you, I'm in you because I've trusted your life, death, and resurrection. So from the cross, from the gospel, from the truth of the gospel for me, Jesus, I now trust your spirit in me to enable me to make that step and not choose the foolish step. That's the Christian life. But you see, we gotta go through that process. We gotta remind ourselves, can't do it. Jesus has in Christ, he will with me. My choice matters, but it's enabled by Christ. And so we respond in faith and in these words that we sing now. Jesus has paid it all for us. In him, we can choose wisely. Let's lift our voices to proclaim that truth. Yo no. 